22? Yeah, we'll end on 22. <laughs> oh, it's rolling, just so you know. Oh, okay. Everyone heard you say we'll end right. on 22. Well, hi, hey guys. Because today is day 22. Yeah, we're going to end on 22 today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dad. Oh, yes. Yeah, nice. Eric's dad's birthday is today. Happy birthday. All right. Happy birthday, Tim. Yes. Appreciate you. That's his name. Thank you. Yeah. I, I was on the tip that's, of my tongue. I that's couldn't right there. there. Yeah, you call yeah. him Dad. I'll call him Tim. <laughs> he is a great guy. We appreciate him so much. Very All right. Friend. Yes, we do. Okay. So we left off um, with... Uh, Jacob marrying the wrong girl, Leah, by trick- Trickster Laban. Trickster. A little yep. trickery. A little trickery there. Uh, but he eventually gets the girl, Rachel. But we read that Leah had four sons and that Rachel is barren. And those four sons were uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Judah, the ancestor, of course, of Jesus. So today we pick up in Genesis chapter 30. 30. <laughs> Sorry, the line threw me off. 30. Yeah, yeah, 30. Yeah. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Well, Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God, he asked. He's the one who has kept you from having children. Oof. Then Rachel told him, take my maid, Bilhah, and sleep with her. She will bear children for me, and through her I can have a family too. So Rachel gave her servant, Bilhah, to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Bilhah became pregnant and presented him with a son. Rachel named him Dan, for she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my request and given me a son. Then Bilhah became pregnant again and gave Jacob a second son. Rachel named him Naphtali. For she said, I have struggled hard with my sister, and I am winning. (laughs) Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore. So she took her servant, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob uh, as a wife. Soon, Zilpah presented him with a son. Leah named him Gad, for she said, how fortunate I am. Then Zilpah gave Jacob a second son, and Leah named him Asher. For she said, what joy is mine? Now the other women will celebrate with me. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in a field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Rachel begged Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Uh Uh-oh. Now will you steal my son's mandrakes too? Rachel answered, I will let Jacob sleep with you tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. Wow. So that evening, man, Jacob, that evening Jacob was coming home from the field. Leah went out to meet him. You must come and sleep with me tonight. Let's do it, she said. I paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found. So that night he slept with Leah. Okay. And God answered Leah's prayers. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a fifth son for Jacob. She named him Issachar, for she said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband as a wife. Then Leah became pregnant again and gave birth to a sixth son for Jacob. She named him Zebulun, for she said, God has given me a good reward. Now my husband will treat me with respect, for I've given him six sons. Later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph. 
For she said, May the Lord add yet another son to my family. Jacob's wealth increases. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I've worked for you. Please listen to me, Laban replied. I have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Jacob replied, You know how hard I've worked for you, how hard your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything that I've done. But now, what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked again. Well, Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and the goats that are speckled or spotted along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals that you've given me as my wages, you'll see that I've been honest. If you find in my flock any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I've stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches, and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons, who took them a three days journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. Well, then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. (laughs) Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, for that was where they mated. And when they had mated in front of the white streaked branches, they gave birth to young uh, that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock and in mating, and at mating time, he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were streaked or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering troughs in front of them. But they would mate in front of the Then they would mate in front of the branches. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones, so the weaker lambs belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy, with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. Genesis chapter 31. Jacob flees from Laban. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. So Jacob Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude toward him. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out of the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I've noticed that your father's attitude towards me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I've worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said, the speckled animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said, the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. 
One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mated with the females mated with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, Yes, here I am. Then the angel said, Look up, look up, and you'll see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah responded, That's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. And, to, and he, after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us. All the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. Well, Jacob then put his wives and children on camels, and he drove all his livestock in front of him. He packed all the belongings he had acquired in Padan Aram and set out for the land of Canaan, where his father Isaac lived. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away, shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. Jacob outwitted Laban, the Aramean, for they set out secretly and never told Laban that they're leaving. So Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River, heading for the hill country of Gilead. Laban pursues Jacob. Three days later, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. So he gathered a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. He caught up with Jacob seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban the Aramean in a dream and told him, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone. Well, Laban caught up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead. He set up camp not far from Jacob's. What do you mean by deceiving me like this? Laban demanded. How dare you drag my daughters away like prisoners of war? Why did you slip away secretly? Why did you deceive me? Why didn't you say you wanted to leave? I would have given you a farewell feast with singing and grandchildren and, tell, and let me tell them goodbye. You've acted very foolishly. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me. Leave Jacob alone. I can understand your feeling that you must go and your intense longing for your father's home. But why have you stolen my gods? I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. But as for your gods, see if you can find them and let the person who has taken them die. And if you find anything else that belongs to you, identify it before all these relatives of ours and I will give it back. But Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the household idols. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, and then uh, the tents of the two servants' wives. But he found nothing. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent, but Rachel had taken the household idols, hidden them in her camel saddle, and now she was sitting on them. When Laban had thoroughly searched her tent without finding them, she said to her father, Please, sir, forgive me if I don't get up for you. I'm having my monthly period. So Laban continued his search before he could not find the household idols. Then Jacob became very angry and he challenged Laban. What's my crime? He demanded. What have I done wrong to make you chase after me as though I were a criminal? You have rummaged through everything I own. Now show me what you have found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us before our relatives for all to see. Let them judge between us. For 20 years I've been with you. 
caring for your flocks. In all that time, your sheep and goats never miscarried. In all those years, I never used a single ram of yours for food. If any were attacked and killed by wild animals, I never showed you the carcass and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss myself. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through the cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years, I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years, earning your two daughters, and then six more years for your flock, and you have changed my wages 10 times. In fact, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham and the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen your abuse and my hard work. That is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you. Jacob's Treaty with Laban. Then Laban replied to Jacob, These women are my daughters, these children are my grandchildren, and these flocks are my flocks. In fact, everything you see is mine. But what can I do now about my daughters and their children? So come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a, uh, and it will be a witness to our commitment. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a monument. Then he told his family members, gather some stones. So they gathered stones and piled them in a heap. Then Jacob and Laban sat down beside the pile of stones to eat a covenant meal. To commemorate the event, Laban called the place Jega Sahadutha, which means a witness pile in Aramaic. And Jacob called it Galid, which means witness pile in Hebrew. Then Laban declared, This pile of stones will stand as a witness to remind us of the covenant we have made today. This explains why it was called Galid, witness pile. But it was also called Mizpah, which means watchtower. For Laban said, May the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep the covenant when we're out of each other's sight. If you mistreat my daughters or if you marry other wives, God will see. He'll see it, even if no one else does. He is a witness to this covenant between us. See this pile of stones, Laban continued, and see this monument I have set between us. They stand between us as witnesses of our vows. I will never pass this pile of stones to harm you, and you must never pass these stones or this monument to harm me. I call on the God of our ancestors, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of my grandfather Nahor to serve as a judge between us. So Jacob, he took an oath before the fearsome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary line. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice to God there on the mountain and invited everyone to a covenant feast. After they'd eaten, they spent the night on the mountain. Laban got up early the next morning, and he kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them, and he left and returned home. Okay. Somewhat happy ending there. Yeah. At least wow. peaceful. Yeah. After all kinds of tragedy <laughs> and chaos. and I'm kidding. Do this and do that, and everybody's angry with one another. And, mm-hmm. and, you, and that's kind of like the so what. I think, you know, um, there's going to be people that's angry with us, and they, they hurt us, and they hate us, and... Mm-hmm. And maybe we have an issue with them as well. And in this case, there was an issue. And But, you know, at what point do we just give them to the Lord and trust God with the situation that he sees everything, he's going to deal with everything? Um, uh, you know, it says here that I've seen how Laban, angel of the Lord, you know, speaking here, uh, I, I've seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel. You know, so, so God sees that and he takes care of that and he brought a restitution to this. And then God you know, basically went to Laban to say, hey, you know, you got to get right yeah, here. You yeah. got to do this right. Here's what you got to do. And so got Laban's attention so that they did come to peace and resolve at the end. And 
and there was a lot of kissing of the grandkids and all that stuff. But I think there's a time where we just, we, we, you know, people are just haters and they're herders and they're difficult and challenging. And we just got to give them to God because, and, and trust that God sees it, you know, and God's going to handle it. And we still got to do what we got to do. I mean, he spoke truth to Laban. Yeah. And he also, he worked very hard. Yeah. You know, he had his moments as well, and he added to, I'm sure, got the best of him from time to time. And you don't blame him for what he's been through. But at the end of the day, I think that God did what God was going to do, and he brought a result to this. And sometimes yeah. we just got to trust God with these people that, that are difficult and challenging. So true. Yeah. So, so where'd true. you find Jesus in this? Okay, so a couple of places. One, he shows up again in a dream again. Yeah. Um, you know, he says, uh, I had a dream. And uh, this is in 31.10 and down. The angel said, look up. And he says, I'm, I'm the God who appeared to you at Bethel. So Jesus shows up again. The second person of the Trinity, the Son, shows up again uh, in chapter 31. But, uh, you know, when we, do, when we do communion here at the church, um, we always talk about how it's a memorial service. And we talk about how this is where I really see Jesus in this text. First of all, literally he's there, but then yeah. in a different place. Um, we always talk about how communion is a memorial, right? That communion doesn't save us. Communion doesn't, you know, uh, wash us clean or anything like that. You know, we're, you know, there's nothing happens in there except for a memorial of Jesus. But uh, he says something, Jesus says something interesting in the upper room when he's talking to the disciples. He says, when he passes the cup, he says, this is my blood. It's a sign of a covenant. It's a sign of the covenant, the new covenant between God and man. Yeah. And so... Uh, those Hebrew men to whom he was speaking in that passage would have a full understanding of this covenantal sign that Laban oh, yeah. and Jacob are celebrating here, the sign of peace. And the covenantal sign that Jesus becomes, his his uh, blood becomes, is a sign of peace between God and man, not universally, only for those who accept Christ by faith, the grace of God by faith. Right. But the opportunity is there to have full reconciliation yeah. Full peace in oh, the yeah. same way that Jacob and Laban do. So this covenantal sign, um, Jesus fills that role for us on a much bigger way than this pile of stones did mm. for Jacob and Laban. But yeah. it does carry forward in the same sense. So yeah. that is where I see Jesus. And in that's this why communion is so powerful. Right. For us absolutely. It's a reminder of that important. covenant. Yeah. The same. You know, this pile of stones kept each one of them from, you know, waging war on the other, and you know the blood that that was spilled for us you know, has appeased God's wrath against us, mm. you know, and so it's that same, yeah. you know, which is much bigger. You know, I'd rather Laban's whole family come after me than have the wrath of God upon me. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. That's the true. covenantal sign. That's true. Very good. Hey, it was good. You guys did it. You did wow, it. Wow, you did it. 22 days. Day 22. Good job. Way to go. We're so proud of you and uh, grateful for you that you're on this journey with us, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Get a good night's sleep. All right.